Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattithiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Masaiah, and on his left, Pediah, Mishael, Malkajah, Hashan, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them, and as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Barney, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, Measai, Kelita, Azariah, Jozabad, Hanan and Peleah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. I don't know why you, I was. We were asked in the deacons who would do the word for the new year and choose the verse. 
And uh, the, for the first, I think, meeting, no, nobody seemed to volunteer for it. And I don't like, believe it or not, I don't like volunteering for, I think that was a Marines and police thing. I'm not a big volunteer. You learn not to volunteer. You can get in a lot of trouble volunteering. So uh, nobody had done anything. And I said to Michael, has anybody come approached you and said they want to do it? And they said, no. I said, oh, I'll do it then. So that's why you've got that fantastic, but not very easy verse to learn. I, I, I did struggle with it, and I've had it pinned up on my notice board for three months. <laughs> and I still struggled. But hopefully, what I'm going to tell you this morning, what I'm going to minister to you, hopefully, preach to you, um, teach maybe as well, is that just how powerful, how active, how sharp, how piercing is that word of God. When I read that scripture, when I read that bit of Jeremiah, I could liken myself to what Ezra again, they found the scriptures that they'd neglected. For about 200 years before Ezra, Josiah did the same thing. They'd found the word of God. They'd kind of lost it. They hadn't bothered with it. They'd neglected it to their detriment. They were in a real mess. I became a Christian, I think it was 1975. Janice will know the exact date. I'm not very good with dates. Either 1975 or 1976, I think 75. And I went on with the Lord for a good few years and loved it. And I was a member of a very lively Pentecostal church. Um, but over years, probably four, five, six, seven, I don't know exactly how long. I started to grow cold, cold spiritually, I mean. Um, and one of the things I stopped doing was stop reading the word. I stopped attending church as regular. I used to love it, I used to go regular, but I stopped attending it. I just grew, grew cold. I stopped going. I put my Bible away and I didn't even know where it was. That's how little I read my Bible. I couldn't find it one day. I'd stopped, basically, reading God's word. To my detriment, I went away from God for, I don't know exact dates, uh, probably 20 years. I walked in the wilderness, and I was a miserable man. I I loved pretending I was happy and doing my own thing, but I wasn't. I was a very unhappy, unfulfilled man. And my daughter phoned me up, I think she was living in Manchester, and she was desperately unhappy. Don't know if I've told you this testimony, but I hope, bear with me, I won't last long on it, but it's just to, to get you an idea of that, both Josiah and Ezra and Nehemiah, when they heard God's word, it did something. That's what they knew they were lacking, and I was lacking in God's word. My daughter phoned me up, almost suicidal, and said, Dad, you brought me up to be a Christian. You've not been a good example to me. Really told me off. Blamed me completely for her backsliddenness and her confusion in her life. Um, so I thought, wow. Well, I was just flummoxed. What can I do? Oh, God, God knows. And he reminded me of two friends from my old church, Janet and Ian Bebbington. Ed, Ed, Edmund and Edna's daughter. <clears throat> And I phoned them up. At the end, it was about 2006. And I said, can I come to see you? I'm in a bit of a mess. And Abigail's, and I told them, and we went. And basically, we opened the word of God. Good cry. And God blessed me 
God forgave me. God accepted me back and told me he loved me. And put into my heart a desire to read his word. And this isn't to brag, but I have, I have read the word of God, Old and New Testament, every single day without fail since 2006. I've not stopped. I don't want to stop. And that has kept me. So that's my personal testimony. Believe me, the word of God is living. It's active. And it pierces through to the bone and the marrow, the joint, and it, it discerns your heart and your mind. It does do that. If you give it chance, it'll do it. The Holy Spirit can, can activate that word that it's so alive, it's mind-blowing. That's the testimony. I've got to get that away, done with. Uh, now, if I can, if I can get the first slide up, I don't know whether Peter has to do that. And it, it'll be lumbar, that will be the first image. Uh, that's it. Then, uh, yeah, that's Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8.6. And uh, so I've gone through that really. And the next one. Uh, yeah, when they broke, they broke down, they cried, they wept. They tore the clothes, the king tore his clothes. When he, 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 he knew something dramatically, drastically was wrong with his life, with the, the children of Israel. There was something terribly wrong. God had chosen them. Chosen them. They were, God is a covenantal God. The word is a covenantal word. word. It's, it's, it has an intention. God has an intention for us when he gave us his word. It's a mighty book. It's not like any other book. It's like a sharp two-edged sword. The translation in that, uh, if you look at, I think it was the, uh, the Amplified Bible, that I know Janice and Susanna like the Amplified. So I thought, and I love different translations, but I find the Amplified a bit too amplified, a bit exploded, too many um, nouns, is it verbs? Verbs, nouns? Descriptions. Terrible, you know. Although I read a lot, my English is appalling. Um, it's yeah. In the footnote, it said, "Sword, knife, used for ceremonial sacrifice. They cut the throats of the lambs for the sacrifice." And another, it's the word of God is incisive. And I thought, it's where Steve. I thought he'd, he'd back me up on this one. He knows what incision is. He knows what a scalpel's for. And it's also the word scalpel can be derived from that. It's not just a sword for stabbing people. It's to cut, it surgically cuts through something and does something. Anyone who's had an operation knows that you need that operation. It's, it's kind of brutal at first. I've had a hip replacement. A few people have had big ops and, and you can end up with huge scars. But without them, you'd, be, you'd probably die or you'd certainly be in pain and a lot worse off. Uh, this just blew me away. J.B. Phillips, he was doing a paraphrase of the Bible. And this is what, uh, this is his explanation. Whilst working on a paraphrase of the Bible, he explained that working on the translation was similar to working on the mains electricity in a house, but doing so with the electricity turned on. 
Wow. That, who's experienced that? I have occasionally. You don't get it all the time. Neither do you get the gifts of the Spirit uh, all the time. You don't get them. It's not there all the time in your face, not running around speaking in tongues and prophesying every two minutes. That would be a bit weird. But occasionally, you can get that electric feeling that the Word of God is alive. It's active. It is a living Word of God. It's not like the Quran. I'm not, dispar- uh, I'm not disparaging Muslim belief or any other world belief. But it isn't like that. It is, it has no, um, there's nothing like the Word of God. Nothing like the Bible. I had a problem when I was a younger man, a younger teenager. And this is possibly the cause of my falling away. I, I questioned the canonization of the Word of God. Why? Why they should have those books? Why not those books? Why that? Why this? Where did it come from? Who translated it? How can it be penned like that? And I was so full of uh, arguments and questions, thinking I was quite intellectual and clever. I was, I might have been being a bit clever, but I was stupid, unwise. God can look after his word. And this is what, I had such rest and such peace when I realised that God can bring those things about. We may not see it like that, but God brings it about. We can trust the word of God. It's authoritative. It's authorship, where authority comes from, is from God. He is the author. He didn't pen it. Moses wrote it. I mean, loads of 40-odd people, I think, were involved in the writing down of God's word. When... um, all scripture. Yeah, all scripture is, is, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. Wow. Do we use it as we should? And I asked me myself all these questions. It's been such a privilege to get this together because for the last two months it, it's it's not left me alone. I've woken up in the middle of the night thinking of scriptures and why is that? Why is it so important? Why? What's it all about? It's been an absolute eye opener. It's it's just. Utterly amazing. Um, I don't, and that's all I want to get over to you. That the, 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 the Bible, the Word of God, Scripture, is so utterly necessary to us. It is our food. It is our food. What did Jesus say to the devil? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it, Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, was speaking to Lucifer, the star of the morning, the most powerful of all angelic beings, and he's telling him, you need to, you, you need to know this. You, you don't live by bread. You live by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Hallelujah. 2 Peter 1, 20, 21, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, 
You, you can just, you should never pick just the odd scripture out here and there. That's not a way to read the, the, the word of God. I had a Bible, I forget what it was called, but they would take the, all the chapters and, um, the chapters, paraf- uh, subheadings, verses were taken out and you read it like a book. And I do forget, I wish I could remember what it was called. That's something called the Easy Bible or something like that. And you, 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 we should read it like a book. Read it in chunks so we get it in context. We're not just picking out verses that we like. This is a massive problem. We're all guilty of it. There's bits that we like. Oh, that floats my boat, but that one doesn't. So I'll leave that. If you do that to the word of God, you're in a mess. You, you, you will become, you'll come unstuck because it's all his word. It is his word. Um, it is important. And you do need the Holy Spirit to help you. Sometimes people think, oh, I can only grow if I listen to a fantastic preacher. So you're all goose this morning then. Um, but, but if you listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones or, or Spurgeon and people like that, well, you can read the books. Great. Lord wants you to read healthy, good, scriptural instruction books and things like that. Uh, Amy Carmichael, women like, you know, amazing people who've lived and worked and written about God and know him. It's a, the Bible is there. It's a covenantal book, as I said before. And it's there for a purpose. And that is for us to have a relationship with the author. Anybody who writes anything, they want the reader to have that relationship, kind of, with him. A novel, anything. But God that's how different the Bible is. God wants us to have that relationship. And, and these these slides I've, I've put up really are to emphasise, to bullet point to whatever the word is, how important and how trustworthy the word of God is. It is. Can't be trusted. It just can be. It's, it is quite amazing. Um, This is so famous. Everyone knows this one. And obviously I've highlighted the end. Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand, uh, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Again, all those parts of the armour were defensive, really. There's only one that was offensive, and that's the sword. If you want to break down principalities and the powers of the uh, 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 of these world things of world views if you know that certain things that you're hearing are wrong you can't afford just to ignore them you need to fight against them you need to come against these things with god's word it will help it will work christian apologetics is a fantastic thing that i've in the last few years got into um and it's not apologising, if you understand that what a Christian apologetics is. 
It is like preaching. It's just amazing. It, it's, it's somebody saying, no, this is what God said. This is the worldview that a healthy human being would have. And that's God's view. Human hubris is ridiculous. When you think what a mess we've made. How dare we come say, oh, we know better when we look at this world. We only prayed, you know, when we could see things like Australia. I'm not saying it, that isn't a, an act of God or whatever. I don't know. But I, I would imagine you could probably pinpoint us at being at fault somewhere down the line. We've seemed to have messed everything up. We should never have lived in huge metropolises and cities. It isn't natural. We don't know. We don't go to bed when it's dark and get up when it's light. We'll stay up till three in the morning watching rubbish on TV. Um, it's just, we, we have made a mess of our lives in, in, in our own arrogance and pride. We should use the word of God to fight the enemy. Right, this is a... <laughs> uh, only a few people will probably get this, but... Um, I thought I'd put it up. Um, There's two types of, 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 there are lots of different types of Bible. There are some that, that are very, very accurate to the translation of, from the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic. And some are a lot easier to read. And I must admit, I'm an NLT man. Uh, and the Living Bible. Uh, and the message. I know he's barreling up there. She'll be spitting and like that. Um, she's a um, King James uh version lady and, and so is Lynn but and I'm not this isn't a criticism and if some people can read that and understand fully uh, that's a good thing you can read any translation but I think God would have us read that that's easy to understand it's already difficult in some sections I was at um, a, a, a bible study meeting at Edmund and Edna's a long long time ago and we were all reading round uh, a, a piece of scripture. And when I read from the NLT, and it was pretty new, I was pretty new to the church and new to the group, and, and some, about three or four people said, can you read that again, what, what you just read? And then they read their version, and it was so easily easy to understand. Why make it harder for ourselves? If technology, and if translations and if translators who do a fantastic job have translated the word of God into a language that is more fitted to the 21st century English person then why do we read something that's 450 years old or something that's just you know can be bettered I mean, it isn't criticism of the King James it is wonderful so uh, in fact before I forget I forgot time I'll read I'll read you something out of this book. Uh, it's called Preaching Matters, and it's, it can be matters both ways. It's the word matters as well. It's a series of books from Keswick, Keswick Ministries. <laughs> this is just so cool. Believe it or not, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Not to know the King James Bible is to be, in some small way, a barbarian. I think it's brilliant because I do. I like Melvin Bragg and people like that who who are well into literacy. Although I don't think I'm that, that literate. Believe it or not, these supportive words came from the notorious atheist Professor Richard Dawkins. That was a shock to me. 
And there are many similar words of adulation, most tended to highlight the influence of the King James Version on language and culture. Joan Bakewell declared the King James Version to be one of the greatest works of literature ever written. There's a point to this. You'll like, I hope you'll like it. And whilst these statements were indeed true, it made me wonder what Moses or Jeremiah or Paul would have said in response to such praise. Someone once suggested that it would be rather like picking up the original manuscript of Einstein's theory of relativity and saying, what beautiful handwriting, as if it were the highest praise that could be offered. It is crackers, isn't it? It is beautiful. So Shakespeare, but I find Shakespeare difficult. I can't read Shakespeare. I can watch it, but I can't read it. It's, it's too, it's too, too much for me. Can't do it. Um, I forgot where I am now. Translation. A definition of scripture. Um, this is another guy. I read about three books to get this together, as well as scripture. You'll be glad to know. Um, Scripture is the written word of the living word. I just thought that was just so amazing. God's communicative act. And the spirit who authorised it chooses to continue to speak directly through it. So going back to that um, formal equivalence, it can be absolutely... Right, it's a, it's a brilliant translation. I think the New American Standard and the ESV are possibly the most accurate to what the translations were. But if you go for a dynamic equivalence where it's more leaning, meaning led, you, you will get you will gain something by it. I've read some wonderful things out of the message that's just been mind blowing. Um, but it's a, a communicative act. That's what God is doing. He's not giving us a list of do's and don'ts. He's not giving us a blueprint to run our lives by. And I've heard that preached so many times. That's not what God's doing. God is becoming familiar to us. He's showing us as much of himself as he can through his written word and the Holy Spirit. If we want to know God, if we want to know Jesus, if we want to have a relationship with him, read your Bible. Read your Bible in prayerfully and in the power and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to help you with those passages that you may find contradictory or you may find don't fit in the 21st century culture. Lots of it doesn't. And lots of it are uh, hard. Lots of it are weird uh, and don't fit in. But don't make the mistake of thinking the Bible isn't infallible. Or it is inherent, inerrant. It has, God gets over what he wants to do. There may be the odd grammatical error in it. There may be something slightly askew with certain translations. Uh, All translations, no translation is perfect, but it gets through enough. God, God, in his wisdom, will enlighten us, illuminate his word to our hearts, and that's what matters, about the beauty of the gospel, salvation. And that's what, that's what it's all about. It isn't about the age of the earth. 
It isn't about certain things that we love as little hot potatoes to banter around, you know, to, because we like to win an argument. Oh, we just like just the argument in an academic sense. We just love that. That isn't what God's about. God doesn't want to make us clever. He wants to make us holy. He wants to make us right. And I believe that's that's what we can we can do. Um, why read it? Martin Luther used to dis- uh, describe scripture as the cradle in which we find the baby. Its purpose is not to draw attention to itself, but to Jesus. And those scripture references, uh, you know, Jesus says they talk about him. If you read up those scripture references there, it's Jesus saying, yes, it's speaking about me. And it is. It's talking about Jesus. That's the reason. We find Jesus, believe it or not, in Genesis. And we certainly find him in Revelation. The Old and the New Testament, although are two different testaments, they still nevertheless have that tenet, that thread, all the way through, which is God's covenant of salvation through Jesus, who is... What's Jesus is known as the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's not a mistake. It's not some weird grammatical error. It, Jesus is the Word. And the Word is Jesus. And Jesus created the universe by his Word. He spoke creation into being. Yeah, I think you'd have to read C.S. Lewis to uh, get a little bit of the understanding of that. When I read even that in C.S. Lewis's, it just blew me away. He sang as a melody creation, and the stars, the heavens appeared. It was just so beautiful, but so mind-blowing that it takes quite a lot of imagination. I'm going to tie it up now. Uh, These... Psalm 119 has been my favourite psalm for a, a long, long time. I don't know when it became the favourite, but and it's a long, long one, but you don't have to read it all in one, uh, one go. It's about 175 verses or something like that. But it's all about the word. So is 119. So Psalm 1. A lot of the psalms are about the word of God, about scripture. And these, I've just pick some out here you know um, 11 verse 11 I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you well I have to pray that regularly and I mean that regularly I'm a work in progress and I fall regularly and I ask God to pick me up and his word does that I know that I have been helped I have developed as a Christian because I've read God's word because I've asked him I said help me Lord help your word cleanse me help it keep me from sin keep me from repetitive sin keep me from those sins that that so depress me and I fall down on and God will honour it God wants the best for us he's our loving and good father I will meditate on your precepts and and fix my eyes on your ways What better advice could you give anyone in this world today than that? I will delight in your statues. Statutes. Statues. (laughs) That would be a bit wrong, wouldn't it? (laughs) No graven images and all that. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Don't forget God's word. I forgot. Forty years ago, I forgot it was important. 
and I had up to 20 years of unhappiness. And I I was unhappy. I remember walking around and feeling utterly pointless. No direction whatsoever. Crying. I'd go drink heavily and go to St Anne's Beach or something and just cry. Because I didn't know what to do. Because I wasn't looking in the right direction. I wasn't looking at God's word. I wasn't trusting him. I was trusting in my own arrogance, pride and stupidity. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than the honey. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. And they are. They really are. Sometimes I just get such a buzz out of reading God's word. And you can do that on your own. So there's no excuses really. Even if you're blind, I suppose, you can listen to audio Bibles and things like that. Um, it's, you know, and I hope everyone's, I'm included, you know. He, hallelujah, he's kept me. God has kept me. He's kept me and he loves me. And I am so utterly grateful for what he's done. There's something I didn't include. I didn't want to put too many slides up. Um, yeah, that's the end. Um, 2 Peter 1.16. The trustworthy prophetic word. For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The apostles were eyewitnesses. And maybe a little bit of hearsay, people like Mark maybe not have been there, but they were so close to the apostles. So the people who wrote the New Testament, certainly Paul, Paul saw God out of time. He wasn't one of the original apostles, but he saw him. So when we look at the word, all the prophecies, all the the prophets in the Old Testament are speaking about Jesus. And the New Testament is showing us his glory. The glory of of him who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for us right now. And his blood. We never forget that that his blood. And that's what we're we're going to do in a minute. We we come round the table. um, Not as a... An obedience thing. We come round to remember the Lord. He did say do it. And he did say read my word. Although that encouragement from David. All that, those instructions about how important the word is. And how sad that the, um, the children of Israel were. When they um, they'd forgotten. They'd forgotten the law of Moses. They completely didn't know it. So, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if you really want to this year, be different. (laughs) Be different from the inside. Be different from the marrow in your bones. Then use, allow God to get that scalpel out and do some serious work on us. That's what I'm going to make my prayer this year, is that you do. he does a work in me that makes a massive difference. So that next December, 
I will be a different man than, than I am stood here today. That's my, that's what I want. That's my desire. I want God to do something in me. Um, and whatever that is, I don't know. It, it might involve pain. It, it, it could involve a lot of different things. Uh, right. Anyway, that's, that's my rant finished. Now, um, yeah, we've no musicians, have we? Would, do you want to do, just do, come up and do? Uh, have we got a, I don't know, because Julie's leading it. I don't know whether we've got, um, oh yeah, of course we have. I thought you were all up doing Sunday school. <laughs> uh,